Welcome to Aging Together, a podcast dedicated to exploring the challenges and opportunities of caring for our aging loved ones. This podcast is a product of Caregiver Consulting and Healthy Solutions, a private consulting practice dedicated to helping you navigate the aging process with ease. Together, we will dive into a wide range of topics, including health and wellness, financial planning, caregiving, and more. This podcast is for everyone, whether you are an older adult looking to age in place, a caregiver seeking support and guidance, a young or middle-aged adult planning for the future, or simply someone interested in learning more about the aging process. I hope you'll join me on this journey. Let's navigate aging together. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode at Aging Together. I'm your host, Pooja, and this week we are targeting Better Hearing and Speech Month with a topic on communication and aging. Today, we're speaking with a speech and language pathologist about the specifics of what speech and language entail, especially as you age. I am so excited to introduce our guest speaker today, Carissa Schrader. Carissa is a speech-language pathologist with four years of experience working with adults with neurogenic disorders. Carissa, thank you so much for joining me in this discussion today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Let's start with telling us a little bit about yourself, how you got into this area of practice, and what your credentials mean. So I learned about the field of speech pathology from my aunt, who is also a speech pathologist. When I was in high school, she came to my school and presented on her career. I was fascinated about it because like many other people out there, we oftentimes think of speech therapy in regards to children and the school-aged population. However, at that time, my aunt was working in a skilled nursing facility, and I went and shadowed with her and learned about the opportunities that speech therapists can have with working with adults in the geriatric population. I then tailored my undergraduate and graduate studies on the adult and geriatric population. I ended up getting my master's degree in speech-language pathology and then went on to complete my clinical fellowship year at Northwestern University. I was hired to work through Northwestern Memorial Hospital and have been there for the past four years, which is where I got to meet you, Pooja. I have been working as an inpatient speech pathologist. I evaluate and treat patients who may be experiencing changes to their ability to communicate or swallow. That's amazing. It's been so nice to meet you through work over the past few years, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this topic today. We all know the abilities to speak and communicate are important at all stages of life. However, I feel there are many discrepancies in how people approach these basic human fundamentals as they begin to get older. Now, the majority of this conversation will be about speech and language, but speech-language pathologists also play a huge role in swallowing and cognition. So can you provide a brief overview of what those two areas of practice entail? Yes. So as a speech pathologist, it is our job to assess diagnose, and treat any speech, language, cognitive, or swallowing difficulties that someone may experience. As people age, their likelihood of having increased difficulties with any of those mentioned areas can occur, and a speech pathologist is able to evaluate and determine what is best for a treatment plan 
to help with everyday communication and eating. Okay, now moving into primarily speech and language. What do you feel is the biggest misunderstanding when it comes to speech and language for older adults? I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that in general, older adults have a a different viewpoint about therapy and the likelihood of rehabilitating or regaining functioning as they get older. Oftentimes, people think that the younger you are, the easier it is to improve a function But in reality, all of our brains have plasticity or the ability to change, which allows for us as speech pathologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, work with you to rehabilitate your brain and reconnect some of those neuropathways that may have been damaged or slowly declining over time, whether in part from the normal aging process or other acute neurologic changes. I love that you highlighted how people don't realize there can be rehab potential even as they get older. It reminds me of a recent course I had to take as part of my uh, most recent certification, and it was presented by a speech-language pathologist. It was on Christmas management following head and neck cancer, which I knew absolutely nothing about beforehand. And if I'm being honest, I didn't retain too much about it. But I remember thinking it's so cool to see how much can be rehabilitated to help with better long-term speech and swallowing functions. Would something like that be considered neurogenic? That's a great question, Pooja. So trismus is essentially the reduced movement of your jaw following radiation to your head or neck area. Now, in theory, it's not neurogenic because the reason why you have the trismus is from the radiation that is impacting the movement of the muscles within your head and neck area. However, the head and neck cancer population has great potential for rehabilitation if they get involved in therapy very early on, because over time, if they have had radiation, it can get to a point where they have denervation or the nerves within their head and neck are not going to respond as well and function as easily, which can impact speech and swallowing. So absolutely, it's something very important in a population that we work very closely with. What are some key myths and facts related to speech and language that you've heard of or that is like well known that it's not true? So like I mentioned earlier, when it comes to myths, I do think that preconceived notion that you can't rehabilitate neuropathways is a big one, wherein in fact, we know so much about how our brain works and what we can to rehabilitate it. In terms of facts related to what happens to speech and language as we age, there is research that shows as you age, the normal aging process can change ways that you communicate, swallow, or hear things. So some terms that I've learned over the years are presbyphonia, which is natural decline in your ability to voice or changes to your vocal quality, which can come from changes to the elasticity or the collagen within your voice box. Then there's presbyphasia, which is changes to your swallowing or increased difficulty being able to swallow as you age. And then lastly, there's presbycusis, which is changes or decline in your hearing as you age. 
Isn't it so interesting when you think about how I feel like the general population knows that you can rehabilitate most of your like joints and muscle functions following like an injury or a stroke, but they likely don't realize that that's part of rehabilitating like the neural pathways. And I guess along with that, perhaps it's not a common understanding that our vocal and swallowing functions involve muscles, which can be rehabilitated in a similar way. What are some reasons an aging adult might want to come see you? And not you specifically, but you as like a speech and language pathologist. Sure. So you made a great point that you might not have had a specific occurrence or accident or incident that has changed your speech or swallowing mechanism. So I might see people that have just natural changes to their abilities to communicate or swallow. I always recommend that clients start by speaking with their physician before going to see a speech therapist just so that they can help better understand the etiology or the reason why they might be experiencing these changes. That will then better help the speech therapist to identify what kind of assessments and potential therapy would be appropriate and why they're experiencing these changes. The areas that speech pathologists are responsible for evaluating are changes to speech, so not being able to speak as clearly or articulate, language, being able to communicate easily without having difficulty coming up with the words, cognition, being able to process, remember, or think about things, and swallowing, being able to easily and efficiently swallow solids and liquids. For the geriatric population, we may evaluate an individual in any of these areas, whether it's from general aging or from a diagnosis of something like dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, stroke, or other neurodegenerative or neurogenic disorders. What are some specific treatments that a speech and language pathologist or other professionals can provide to those with speech and language impairments? It really all depends on your initial evaluation with the speech therapist, as well as your past medical history, to help us better understand where some of those impairments or difficulties may lie. That will allow me to come up with a treatment plan that can target one of those previously mentioned areas that speech pathologists are responsible for treating. What's important is that your speech therapist is creating treatment plans that are functional, patient-driven, and viewed as important to the client and their family. I love that you mentioned that it needs to be important to the client and their family. Have you encountered any cultural considerations or hesitations when it comes to like speech and language augmentation or rehab in general? Absolutely. I think even cultural considerations aside, there's even a generational consideration, I would say, that has played a role on individuals' willingness to participate in therapy. I've had clients who have been resistant to the term therapy, and some of that is in part due to the generation where therapy is a term that is not viewed as positive. Then there's also cultural considerations that I've had while working at the hospital. A large bulk of my caseload is working with patients with dysphagia or difficulty swallowing. I've had many conversations with patients and their families surrounding if it's safe to eat and drink. 
And it's challenging because there are certain cultures that value eating and drinking, end-of-life care, and overall comfort very differently. So it's so important from a swallowing safety standpoint, but also a cultural consideration standpoint to communicate effectively with the patient, their family, and the doctors to make sure that we are keeping those things in mind when we're having these very important conversations. That definitely makes sense. I feel like I've definitely had situations where I've walked into like a patient's room and they're on a, you know, maybe just like a liquid diet or a soft foods only diet. And I walk in and the family members have brought their food from home and they're very clearly not following the recommendations. And I'm always like, do I tell the doctor? (laughs) Do I not tell the doctor? (laughs) Like, what do we do here? Um, But I feel like that's definitely a conversation that needs to happen because we want to make sure that, you know, if they want to eat food that is comfort food for them while they're in the hospital, that's important to them. And can we make that safer for them too? Yeah. Education plays a huge role in this. If the patient and the family understand the rationale for why I'm recommending what I'm recommending, it makes this conversation a lot easier because ultimately the patient does have the right to choose what they want to do with their bodies as long as the doctors and the speech pathologists and the team are providing adequate education and information about those risks. And there certainly are not the best meal options in a hospital. So you're right that families may want to bring in food from home that represent their culture and give that patient the quality of life while they're in uh, an uncomfortable situation or in the hospital and not feeling good. Definitely. What is one takeaway that you'd like the audience to consider as it relates to speech, language, cognition, just general communication needs, and aging? I would say to not be afraid to utilize healthcare professionals in any regard, whether it's speech or other therapy services. We are there to support you, to educate you, and try and improve your quality of life. From a speech perspective, both eating and communicating are fundamental pieces of your life. And once they become impacted, it's important to find ways to learn about how we can rehabilitate it, maintain it, or preserve it. I love that. So as your final question, I know that you recently branched out and started your own private practice. How exciting. Tell us what that's all about and how people can reach you. Yes, thank you. I recently started my own private practice called Communication Care Center. It is an adult and geriatric outpatient clinic that provides in-home and virtual speech therapy for those experiencing any communication or swallowing changes. If you would like to learn more about my services, you can visit my website at communicationcarecenter.com or contact me directly at carissa at cccspeech.com. That is so amazing. I wish you success and I can't wait to see where your private practice journey takes you. Carissa, this was such an insightful conversation. Thank you again for taking the time to join me here today and for sharing your expertise in speech and language as it relates to aging. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation and our collaboration together. To all my listeners, thank you for tuning into this week's episode on communication and aging. And don't forget to check out Carissa's website if you're interested in learning more. 
Sharing expert perspectives on various age-related topics and services can help the community learn how to plan for a healthier future. At Caregiver Consulting and Healthy Solutions, we are dedicated to helping you navigate aging together. Tune in next week for our transition into June. I hope you'll join me again.